Welcome to what the if 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 Welcome everyone back to the What the If Worldwide Virtual Studios. Um, Gabby Panicia is here from Rockefeller University. Gabby, how are you? I am doing good. Hanging in there. Hanging in. And uh, also Matt Stanley at uh, New York University. Uh, that is that is technically true. Yes. Technically. <laughs> uh, it, it technical to what is there a particular technical standard like IEEE or <laughs> yes, that's, NTSC? Um, yeah, that's right. IEEE three zero zero point one five point one compliance methods for identifying professors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Matt, you are a historian of science. That's pretty cool. Uh, yes, um, I'm sure there are some of my colleagues that are uh, uh, unhappy at me. Um, uh, identifying as that, lest they be associated with me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yes. Interesting, interesting. Uh, we're going to get to our if in just one second, but I, I don't know why. They, the question just occurred to me. And is there like a, a hot top? What What's the hottest topic in the history of science right now? Most controversial uh, or new, uh, new breaking research? I'm reading research? a book right now about uh, the relationship of science and technology. Does science drive technology? Does technology drive science? Uh, how do we make sense of that? Right on, right on. Okay, that's going to be an if. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, Gabby, you are a virologist at Rockefeller University, and uh, what's the hottest topic in virology? What? I, I mean, there's kind of a pandemic, so I feel like that goes without saying. Just as soon bit. as that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Ah. Well, you know, it, it puts a date on on this one. Someone's not going to watch it 30 years later and be like, oh, or unless there's another plague, at which point, and I guess it's sort of cyclical. Yeah, it's so funny going through podcasts or anything, you know, you immediately know whether it was recorded during or yeah, before or the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. talking about things. Uh, speaking of other people, uh, which is the pandemic somewhat related to, uh, our what the if today is absolutely fascinating. And um, it was sent in by a young man named Matthew Stanley. Uh, uh, <laughs> we should check if that's technically the same Matthew Stanley. It is the same. He was, but he was, it was a, it was a, well, I don't know. It was a younger version of you from like a week ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and, uh, less wise that, and more innocent. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that feeds into the topic here. Um, I'll, I'll just read the headline and then, um, and then we'll get into it. So, um, this, this is from a very reputable source, right? This is, uh, triple AS. What mm -hmm. is that? The American Academy, American, American Association, yeah, American for, the Association for the Advancement of Science. Right. They're not the ones who will pick you up on the highway. Although if you call triple AS, <laughs> I'm on the highway of a flat tire. Ooh, we'll be right there. And then <laughs> Study that. On you, so you don't yeah. want that. <laughs> And uh, here's the art. There, there is a picture, which this is audio. And so I'm going to say that uh, listeners, you're good. You can't see this picture. Now, some of you might disagree. And Gabby, you know, someone who loves biology and things like that might totally disagree. It's it's disgusting. It is a, uh, it is, well, it's just a crayfish. So I apologize to all the I horrible crayfish. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just not my we, thing. We've deeply offended many of our crayfish listeners now. <laughs> I am marbled. Alienating the audience. Alien. <laughs> exactly. I am marbled crayfish uh, uncurious, which is a bad thing. So uh-huh. we're going to get curious. We're going to get curious here. And uh, it's, but it's, it does look tiny and cute a little bit. So here's the headline. An aquarium accident may have given this crayfish the DNA to take over the world. And the article was by uh, Elizabeth Penisi. And uh, oh, it's, it's, uh, maybe it's a distant relative, mine. Gabby. That's yeah. Right. Look at a linguistic uh, game sounds- of telephone. Yeah, that's right. Um, Here's the, just, I'm just going to read a little bit of the article. It sounds like a bad monster movie plot. A ten-legged mutant creature that reproduces asexually, escapes from... Now, so, so asexually, I guess that's bad for the, yeah, the creature? I don't know. Or maybe positive. See, again, it depends on your perspective. Uh, a ten-legged mutant creature that reproduces asexually, escapes from confinement in Germany, oh boy, and mm-hmm. quietly begins a global invasion. Global invasions that begin in Germany never turn out well. Uh, within two decades, clones of the voracious animal spread through Europe and Africa, bringing devastation to ecosystems and threatening native species. Oh, I didn't hear about this. That appears to be the strange but true story of the marbled crayfish, an invasive freshwater species suspected to have been created through a reproductive accident in an aquarium around 1995. I had an aquarium, and I would sometimes have access. Um, usually not reproductive, though. Uh, a new, more like the fish would just jump out. <laughs> a new analysis of the crustacean's genome supports this unlikely origin and may help explain how the animal has subsequently spread and adapted to so many new environments. Um, just going to jump down to the, uh, the end here. Um, More important than the crustacean's origin may be that this clone thrives in a wide variety of freshwater habitats with different temperatures, salinities, and acidity. Clones are supposed to be at a disadvantage because they lack the genetic variation to adapt to new situations. But this paper suggests that an animal species can rapidly invade a large geographical area despite reproducing without sex. And being clonal. I think they mean despite reproducing. Yeah, no. Without sex and being clonal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so to help, to help orient us, Gabby, could you explain sex? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do I, I mean, how, how birds of the bees do I have to go? why we do it yeah i'll explain like from from the genetics perspective is we should probably keep it pg yeah yeah (laughs) it uh it it allows for sort of the mixing of of different genes um so people from you know organisms from vastly different areas might have different genes as a result of different selective pressures in the area or maybe you know the same genes but different variants we call those variants alleles um you can think of alleles mm-hmm. for, you know, dark hair, light hair, or, you know, blue eyes, brown eyes. That's probably the traditional allele you might be familiar with. How do you, how do you um, spell that? Allele. A-L-L-E-L-E. It's got a bunch of L's. Yeah. A-L-L-E-L. E. There's another E at the end. A-L-L-E-E-L. Got it. 
Thank you. <laughs> Do I, I, I win the wheel of fortune? Go ahead. And uh, by you know mixing these these different alleles, uh, you might come up with an organism, a, a, an offspring that's better than the parents that you might bring together something that's fortuitous. Um, and since these things can re recombine in a bunch of different ways, be, you know, kind of like Legos mixed and matched, um, in the offspring, you may wind up with, you know, vastly different stuff. And it just kind of, you know, freshens up the gene pool of an area. It's not so stagnant. It's not that every, uh, organism is the same in that, you know, population. Uh, when you're dealing with asexual reproduction though, that's clonal. So that means that an organism is producing... Uh -huh an exactly identical offspring or almost exactly identical with tiny little just random mutations as opposed to the really dramatic, you know, assortment of genes that you get from sexual reproduction. All right. So our, our what the if um, is, 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 is congealing in my mind. And <laughs> here it is. What the if... Everybody was a crayfish. <laughs> or clo what do we say? It's clonal, parthenogenic? Yes. Mm -hmm. What if everybody was parthenogenic? A parthenogenic empire will rise. Well, it might actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then probably collapse very dramatically. Yeah. Did you did you, did we say what that word means? Parthenogenic. Uh, I don't remember exactly oh, yeah, so, the Greek. Yeah. Matt, do you know? Um, no, but maybe Google can help. Ah, okay. It sounds like the Parthenon. Okay. I don't know if that. I, I actually do think that that's where it comes from. Um, huh? Because oh, virgin, I know actually. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so literally, it? virgin birth. Um, and and the Parthenon is dedicated to Athena, the the virgin goddess. So yes. So you can actually Attracts. say that it is the, actually the crayfish temple. That's fine. Yeah. There used to be a statue solid. of a giant crayfish inside. Um, very cool. So Partha, everyone's parthenogenic. Now, here's here's what we, we like we have to we do with these ifs. Define our terms or define define the experiment. Define the what do we call it? What would you call it? The parameters. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, yeah, define the parameters. And so we say, for instance, some, a lot of our ifs. Actually, real quick, Gabby, people are just figuring out what, what is going on. What is this? What a concept. What the if? Why do we do this? Yeah, so, you know, working through a thought experiment um, can actually be something that requires a lot of, you know, scientific insight. You have to really probe at the edges of this thought experiment and figure out, you know, what else, what follows, you know, how do, how do the dominoes fall when you set up this one original question? Um, and so usually we wind up just starting out with something simple and then we break the universe by the end of the episode um, because it turns out that tweaking the laws of nature actually might mess things up a lot more than you think. That's right. But boy, you'll learn a lot along the way to destroying the entire no universe. Yeah. And so yeah. um, what if people were parthenogenic? And then the question is, well, so for this experiment, do we mean they suddenly became parthenogenic? That probably is the more interesting experiment, would you say? Or or do you guys think, should we start? We have two choices here. A fork in the road. Should it be that people were parthenogenic from the very beginning? Yeah, let's, let's, let's just make Thursday 
Parthenogenesis Day. Hooray! Um, and then we all go forward from there. Yes. And so it begins. <laughs> so what happened? So Matt, it's Thursday. Thursday morning in the maternity ward somewhere <laughs> in the world. Um, well, yeah. So what's... Um, uh, so what happens in parthenogenesis, Gabby? Can you walk us through the, the process? Yeah. It is essentially um, an organism that you would probably consider reproductively female, I guess, um, who creates an offspring that is exactly identical um, to itself. Um, there are some weird variants I've found out through reading. Um, so there are variants in which I think only males are produced consistently. Um, I don't know exactly how they define it. I think it's chromosomal. Oh, that's interesting. Um, where, um, but yeah, so what's exactly happening is that organisms are now producing uh, exact, basically exact clones of themselves um, so that everybody's children in this maternity ward is going to be like, wow, that baby really looks a lot like me when I was a baby. <laughs> okay, so not a lot of surprises. And also, who did she say ward. the father was? Yeah. <laughs> no, she doesn't. There was well, no father. That's out of the way. So we lose Maury and Jerry Springer, basically, right off the bat, I think is, is what happens. All those shows are, are gone. <laughs> oh, because of the, pater- the unknown yeah. paternity. Well, okay, so already a net positive for the world. <laughs> right, anything that drives down viewers of, of Jerry Springer is a, a That's right, positive. that's right, right. Chairs, right, yeah, so- chairs are, uh, set designers around the world rejoice that they no longer have to repair chairs that have been thrown at each all right, yeah, yeah. So normally, um, babies don't look exactly like their mother because they are the result of a, a chromosomal shuffle between both of their parents, right? But with parthenogenesis, mm-hmm. there's just one set of genes to choose from. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so that gets kind of uniform quick. Um, all, and then all siblings are going to look exactly the same too, right? Mm-hmm. All your siblings are going to be exactly identical. Okay. And they're going to have exactly identical children. Oh, that's right. Even the even the grandchildren are going to look exactly like grandma. Mm-hmm. Now, is this is this actually like so? The, it sounds like the crayfish weren't this way. What they said was an accident in an aquarium, right? Yeah. So the cool so, thing that happened with the accident is that it brought yeah. together two different, I think, varieties or subspecies of this crayfish that lived in vastly different areas across the globe. So I think one was maybe a German crayfish and one I think was from Florida. Um, and it is parthenogenic by accident. The uh, crayfish that it's descended from are not. By the weird aquarium accident that they talk about, there was, it seems like the egg cell that it came from, uh, normally you get half your chromosomes from your mom, half from your dad. That's how sexual reproduction works. Um, but this one was weird because egg development involves sort of towards the end of it, it kicks out the other set of chromosomes that came from the mom um, so that there's only one left. And this time it seems like that didn't happen. So there were two sets of chromosomes from the mom crayfish and one set of chromosomes from the dad crayfish. So the crayfish is actually triploid. It means it has three copies. We're diploid, two copies. Now, the thing about this is dividing triploid in half is damn hard. So it basically decided we're not doing that. Um, so that's how you get them essentially, I don't think, I don't necessarily know if this is a thing where, you know, you get triploidy and then they just asexually reproduce. Um, but I definitely know it makes sexual reproduction a lot harder. Um, so I, that's just weird quirk of, oh, okay. And let it to be clonal. And then 
um, just by accident of bringing together these two species that had totally different backgrounds, um, it created something that was really, really uh, invasive, something that was very well adapted um, and good at just eating everything and surviving. And so it, it sounds like it wasn't some complicated, like, um, news, uh, new, uh, complicated, um, I don't think about the, the lab accident or whatever. They weren't doing something complicated. They just, these, these creatures were just mating normally. Yeah. No, no chemical X yeah, was spilled into the water. Wow. So this, this happens in, a, this, in other words, it, it wasn't in a way a normal evolutionary thing. Um, yeah, and, and weird chromosomal stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and, could and that happen to people? Stuff I that, that's. I this yeah, like, but this is so. This is I, I, that's kind of I don't know if that's fascinating or unsettling to me. The idea that such a, a major physiological right difference is sort of lurking in the genome and can be spontaneously activated. Um, that's because, I, I mean, when I think about, you know, the development of sexual reproduction, I think, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago. Um, uh, so the idea that we get this kind of atavistic throwback, I find very strange. Is, is that right? There's this kind of vestigial thing hiding in the genome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know exactly if it's sort of programmed in per se. But I do know that there are some organisms that do keep it better than others. So, for example, there's a couple of species of reptiles that either are parthenogenic or are selectively parthenogenic. Um, so I am a sucker for Komodo dragons. Okay. I love them. Um, as a child, I would always like press myself up against the glass of their tank, and my mom was always like, mm, here's this tiny little bite-sized morsel <laughs> and a lizard that's like six times her size. Um, but, yeah, so Komodo dragons are selectively parthenogenic meaning that most of the time they'll undergo sexual reproduction, like what you would think of for a large organism. Um, But sometimes if there's just not a male around, they're like, all right, well, time for babies. Um, And same thing with sharks, I think, too. Yeah, well, that is a super handy adaptation. I'm sorry, I cut you off there, Gabby. No, that's right. It's super handy. Mm -hmm. Um. So um, for this to happen with people, this is, and then perhaps I don't. I, I feel like I'm actually not in mad scientist territory, right? Like there's nothing particularly special about these crayfish compared to people. I mean, they're simpler creatures, I suppose, but not them. So, um, could this happen, or is that just absurd? I, you know, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think one of the weird things I notice about organisms that are selectively or that are parthenogenic or selectively parthenogenic is I think they tend to be mostly egg laying. Um, oh, okay. Not, so not mammals. Yeah. Yes. I think they're trying to figure out how this would work in people like human embryos from parthenogenesis. Um, but I think there was a group that thought it was fabricated Um Sorry, I'm like trying to read up on this as I'm talking. No, that's all right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't think it's, yeah, mammals, it doesn't seem to be possible. I don't know okay. why, but it does seem to be for some reason. Oh, okay. Actually, wait, induced parthenogenesis in parthenogenesis in my, mice and monkeys, because we have tried it apparently. Um, it seems to result in abnormal oh, development. Of course. 
<laughs> oh, this makes sense. Okay. So there's something called imprinted genes in biology. They are essentially versions where for some reason you need this version from the dad because it's inactivated in the mom. Um, I'm sure that there's some particular competition on the level of genes that made this happen this way. Um, I'm not an evolutionary biologist, so I don't know, you know, the mechanism of how this would have arose. Um, but essentially what that means is if you're only getting moms, then you're not getting the active form from dad. So then all of a sudden you're essentially, air quotes, missing genes. Uh, they're technically there, but they're not on. Um, so I think that might be less prevalent in the species that are able to undergo parthenogenesis. So for us, it might require a sort of significant reworking of the way that, um, the sort of regulatory ways that our, our genome is organized. Okay. Yeah, because I feel I just have to touch on and and, and Matt maybe I don't know from from history that the the notion of a virgin birth um, mm -hmm. could have come about simply because you know it's it's people have imaginations and and they imagine that such a thing or could have also been a you know that they were aware people were very much aware of nature and might have seen things like that. And seen that, such a yeah, that's right. And I should say you know. In classical Greece, they were well aware that there were some species that um, reproduced uh, in modern terms, asexually, that is without uh, without partners. Um, and also just a, a comment that, you know, in um, uh, a modern Western society, we think of the virgin birth, um, mm. uh, meaning Jesus. Uh, but actually, virgin births were an extremely common thing uh, back in the day. So, um, lots of people had virgin births. Um, Plato, uh, Aristotle. You um, mean in, in, in myths? Alexander. No. Well, I mean, it's not documented, right? I don't have right. any, any records. Um, oh, okay. uh, the Buddha. Um, these were, it was a, a pretty non-extraordinary thing, actually. Um, so, when early Christians uh, decide that's going to be part of the, uh, the Jesus story, um, that's not a particularly extraordinary thing. They're kind of putting... Jesus in the same camp as, say, Achilles. Right, right, right. So it's a common part of the hero's journey, yeah. you would say. Um, cool. Okay. So this maternity ward, there's a, a woman and um, uh, she has a baby and there was no father. This would be news. Yes, but, 100%. Uh, and the thing for our if what we're imagining is that it becomes a thing that this, I suppose we are in hand-waving territory. It's part of the imagination that kicks off the if that suddenly this is happening all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there anything we can, any science we can put in there that might cause such a situation? Or are we in the territory of how Andy Weir begins the Martian with a big windstorm on Mars, even that wasn't possible. But the rest, good sci-fi. Yeah, woefully we might have to hand wave this one. Maybe if I post yeah. production or do some some research. But it does seem like yeah. uh, this might yeah. be outside uh, the realm. It sounds of like it's it's at least uh, engineerable, right? Yeah, it's, maybe. Um, it sounds like it, it could at least be engineered, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So something's uh, in the water. Uh, so basically. that would be mm -hmm, something in the water. <laughs> something's in the water. Mm -hmm. I like it. Okay. And uh, so let's say it just, you know, for simplicity's sake, boom, it starts for some reason. As you said, Matt, on Thursday. Uh, so next Thursday, I guess. So we have a week. Okay. Uh, a week from now. 
everyone's <laughs> um all births <laughs> or i mean the thing that would happen is that um prior nine months prior to that women would be pregnant right uh yes that's right there would be a lot of serious pregnancies yeah 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 um and actually that actually that kind of raises a, a question gabby is um when does for parthenogenic organisms how do they decide when to get pregnant um, i don't know i'm assuming there might be thing? some kind of environmental thing yeah i also don't know if it's like periodic at any point like um, okay, right. yeah i'm not 100 percent sure of the timing like the there, salmon. Should, the- should, I should know more about whiptail lizards, but alas. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, all right. So anyway, first, the, I mean, this this would be a hell of a movie. I think uh, we should run with this. Um, I will say first one of baby's the, the born. Go ahead. That's I think is an immediate consequence of this. Is that I'm sorry, men, but there's probably not going to be any more of you. Uh, oh, that's wow. right, because <laughs> because every offspring is also going to be uh, every. Um, so, if we're talking about people with two X chromosomes um, giving birth to a clone, the clone is going to have two X chromosomes, and the male, so the so-called male chromosome, the, the Y chromosome, um, is going to vanish. Right? No, no need yeah. for it anymore. And there's and this is where Wonder Woman comes from, right? Like. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. Yeah, so I guess the Amazon's parthenogenic. Yeah. But right. I think too the, sure. the weirdness is that so there are some ways where you can get a Y, the SRY region of the Y chromosome, which is the sex determining region, fused onto an X chromosome. But uh, the okay. organism is essentially phenotypically male. So would never know and like has no female development because the Y that Y region overrides it so even if you have a part of it and say like well maybe you could squeak it that organism wouldn't be reproducing so unfortunately even if you have like two x's it does not necessarily explicitly mean that you are now a part of the parthenogenic cluster i guess interesting okay wow all right so that's uh that's a pretty big deal i think um that's uh I, i don't know if that's sort of good or bad for the long term well, if we can say, you know, um, I think this, what the, if it, it's not, we're doing it not so much for the conflict that would arise during the transitionary period, but we can say that that would be, you know, if it suddenly appeared that all women around the world were giving birth, A, we're, get, we're becoming pregnant with, you know, without any uh, cause, and uh, giving birth to all babies, and all those babies were girls um then we'd have an interesting situation on our hands and and i think this would be a pretty good uh there's a lot to learn there's a greek play um isn't there uh probably a couple or you know ancient greek plays about uh, what's it called Uh, there's different ones but one the women go on strike which is a great satire um but isn't isn't there a famous greek play where um it's all women um, yeah, my classical knowledge fails me here. Uh, so, um, but it's sort of the inverse of uh, Children of Men, if you've ever seen 
uh, that. <laughs> yeah. A, um, I think both a graphic novel and a film. Right. Um, and in the film, it becomes impossible for women to become pregnant. Um, and there's also, let's see here, uh, the, the Last Man, I think, is another graphic novel. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that would suddenly become a much less interesting story um, if uh, women could simply um, reproduce parthenogenically. Right, right. And so um, this begins, and let's say, you know, uh, 100 years later, the last man dies. Right? So mm -hmm. we, we get up to that point. Now the women, sure. the world is all women. Uh, it would be absolutely fascinating uh, sociological situation to watch um but biologically what happens now they're they're all clones of their mother right or at this point so, 100 years later great-grandmother yeah that's right whoa yeah. Mm -hmm. tracing your ancestry is a lot easier <laughs> you just look at their face oh uh, you just yeah, ask yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do we have do we have problems with genetic diversity at this point? Well, if this happened to every woman right now, maybe not so much. But if you're imagining, I don't know, Queen Bee style rival factions of identical women are going to war against each other, yeah. and thus you have oh, yeah. entire nations of clonal people, then yeah, you might run into some serious genetic instability problems. Like we have a current pandemic. It turns out that people with certain variants of genes are more or less susceptible to dying from this virus. So mm -hmm. certain, you know, groups of these entirely clonal people um, would be having a lot of trouble um, in, in case of, you know, events like this. And they could just be, you know, seriously decimated by, by one virus or one cataclysm. Oh, yeah. Also, it's so interesting because, like, just differences, you know, so it, it just it magnifies things. It's almost like it just turns up the contrast very a lot on what our current, our current situation. A lot of people have interpersonal problems, right? And then you get to nations and nations have conflicts with each other, let's say. But a nation is a fairly diverse, although, you know, part of the problem is I think there are nations that have, you know, some homogeneity to them, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. But still the people in them, they don't all look, they're not literal clones. But here you would have this crazy situation where it would almost be like, yeah, obviously, you know, the Latvians and the Estonians look completely, you know, they're all clones of each other. Um, are there, there must be science fiction stories like this where you'd basically just have, like, I think Star Wars famously, of course, has the clone wars, but in that situation, there was just one clone army built for one guy. Um, yeah, there's a classic book, um, The Forever War by... Um, Joe Haldeman, uh, ooh, and ooh. also spoilers for a 50-year-old book uh, at this point. Um, yeah. the, the climax of the, of the story comes when the civilizations who have been at war for thousands and thousands of years um, right. end up um, reproducing just by cloning um, instead of sexually, uh, and that, for, for reasons that you should read the book to, uh, to understand, ends up ending the war. Um, and I should say it's a, it's a fantastic book for... The forever war and, and actually has a lot to say about some um, about things like gender and reproduction that's a good one yeah i'm sure yeah. there will be a terrible adaptation of it coming to netflix shortly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. stay tuned for that um forever war um so 
what at some point it's here's, here's what I'm guessing thinking long, long term. This, this was an impulse I got from Arthur C. Clarke reading Arthur C. Clarke and he got it from uh, some of the earlier um, science fiction writers before him, especially the Russian. Um, uh, eventually you get a situation where, well, just like Darwin would say that some clones are more dominant than others. Right. And so as you go along, eventually, is it possible? What, what happens in these situations which basically you have groups, you have different clones fighting. Does it, does one eventually just win or is that, um, bad? I suspect if this had started much, much earlier in our society, uh, maybe, maybe you would just end up with one. But I think, you know, thinking of the sheer billions of people on the planet, I think it would be very difficult to have just ah. one all clone entity hive mind, have you, what have you. Well, it wouldn't be a hive mind, but you know what I mean? Some kind of completely homogenous mm -hmm. entity that rules the earth. Um, but... Yeah, this, is me this would be a fun looking, computer you know, simulation even to forward. run. Yeah, I think even looking forward in the in the history of the future of this imaginary parthenogenic world, the people you send off to colonize planets, then yes. Yeah. Because historically, mm -hmm. this is something called sort of a genetic bottleneck. Um, and so you can track the migration patterns yeah. of people sort of through their genes um, by looking for specific markers that everybody from this one group has, meaning this was all descended from one smaller group that left. This is why you get pockets of people with very distinct phenotypes, for example, red hair, um, or, you know, the red hair is the only one that I'm thinking of right off the bat, but, yeah, you know, yeah, there are other yeah, examples. Yeah. So right. if you just dropped two ladies on a planet and they just are colonizing it, they're having kids who all look like them, yeah, you'd probably get just like you know this one population that owns a whole planet <laughs> well, is that two, two women cloning oh yeah you know, two women cloning asexually i just imagined that eventually this planet becomes the northern hemisphere is the brunettes and the southern hemisphere is the blonde <laughs> and it's just total war <laughs> um uh but now with clones here's the thing it seems to me that evolution doesn't stop. Mutations don't stop, right? Or or do they? I, I don't, how does cloning? They do not like, even stop. Though, right. So generation after generation after generation, people will actually start to become more diverse again. Is that possible? Yeah. So that's that is true. Um, the width, I guess, of of that kind of variation may not be particularly large, but whatever weird mutations that your mother inherited or, or, you know, had, you will also have. So say you have something oh. which I, I don't know, I don't know, like a weird metabolic defect. Well, your entire line now has that weird metabolic defect, um, which could just be, you know, an accident of Ooh. just genetics in the egg, in the embryo. Just, you know, that that's the thing about gene, like genes, mm -hmm. it's kind of sometimes random, stochastic. So yeah. If you have something weird, you're passing that down to everybody down the line now. And do there, I guess, as you get to, you know, it's interesting in, in the movie Interstellar, uh, there's a fascinating scene where 
uh, what's his name? Uh, all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, future governor of Texas, perhaps, uh, mm-hmm. comes comes back from his long journey through space time and um, meets his, uh, I don't know, some relative. I can't remember yeah. who was, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe daughter even. And anyway, she's now like a very old lady and she's had multiple generations. She's given birth to multiple generations. Of kids, right? So he's standing there and there's all these family around that he missed multiple generations. Um, but if they had been clones and we go forward, say a bunch more generations, at the family gatherings, let's say, of these things, of these people, do we actually see diversity? Or, or how long do we have any idea? I guess what I'm saying, how long, when you start having clones, like when Dolly the sheep gave birth to another Dolly the sheep or whatever, mm-hmm. um, at what point do, do we finally start to see, maybe you know, begin to notice they look different? I could not tell you the number of generations it would take. Um, I think that the the rate right. of mutation is something like 10 to the minus 4, or like 10 to the minus 6 per gene per generation, so that you're only getting like 30 nucleotide mutations expected in like every egg cell or what have you. Um, so mm-hmm. they've got to be in something that is consequential too. We have a lot of what you might consider uh-huh, genetic. Uh-huh junk or i mean we don't know if it's junk we don't really know what it does um right right but it might take you a lot of generations to see something that has a consequence um but of course once you do yeah. it's, it's there um yeah there is the factor of I, I don't quite know how to describe this but as twins get older they do age differently and it's thought that some of this has to do oh. with environmental factors um and so that some of this Eventually, you may see perfectly clonal people who are different more because of the environment of these, I guess, maybe planets that they've been sent to to colonize if we're going that space age with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it and might take a while. Clones, it would take a while. Yeah. And, and are clones like twins? Something I've always wondered. Are they like twins even though they're not born at the same time? Yeah. Actually, technically speaking, I think twins are clones. Mm-hmm. So, Matt. Being uh, uh, having twins, um, running a twin experiment in your home as you are, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, um, your daughters are twins, and we've done a couple of shows with them. I encourage yeah. you to go back and look. Um, go back and listen to those. Yeah, those are they're listen to those. Those are really great. So, having observed that, can if you extrapolate that now to the whole world, mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps the whole planetary, uh, the whole solar system? Uh, what 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 are these societies like? Well, you know, they're actually perhaps not as uniform as we might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and partially that'll be epigenetics. So even if we've got folks who share identical genomes, different genes are going to get expressed. So, you know, the, my personal example is one of my daughters um, wears glasses and one does not. Um, but they also, uh, my daughters work hard to individuate themselves personality wise because they want to be their own person. Yeah. Um, so, um, we might have, um, so things might not be quite as boring, uh, as it might seem at a glance. Uh, we might yeah. actually have some, some fairly diverse, uh, uh, groups of people in terms of what they're interested in and what they like to do and how they dress. 
is there something about the um i think that if if we met suppose we suppose we arrive on a planet and we discover that this has happened right uh it seems to me there's something about the way they think uh and by, by the way this <laughs> the, the episode that that, that uh, your girls did was touched on this a little bit mm -hmm. um that there's almost a telepathic aspect or, or, or sort of appearing to be a tele that was that they all think so much alike and they all under you know they understand each other so well that trying to communicate it, it would be bizarre right you 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 arrived in this the way the group was speaking um but which seems to me might also be like uh, I have a friend who moved to Japan and you know from Oregon and um and he's often listening so shout out to Tom how are you and uh he's he said you know it's sort of like again you move into a culture where there's all these things going on you know cultural whatever language going on and uh, assumptions and you know understandings and things like that and you have to catch up um right so um what happens to i think that uh the entertainment created by these societies would be so weird to an outsider like kabuki like imagine imagine so twins Oh, so twins are the same age, same generation, and same family, but it's pretty, it's a very small unit, right? Mm -hmm. But if you imagine this being a basically global situation, and generational generation generation after generation after generation after generation, the amount of unspoken stuff that would be going on would be uh, that is true, right? They would they would crack each other up with half <laughs> yeah. a sentence of a joke because they've they've consumed the, such similar stuff. And I should right. say that happens in our house. Uh, see, that could be a global, uh, a, a positive or a negative thing, depending. I could imagine, you know, just like there are dust storms that take over Mars. You know, mm -hmm. it could be that laughing attacks could just consume a planet for years, for months, right? Um, not the worst thing in the world, but. Could happen. Possibly inconvenient. Yeah. 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 Um. So, Gabby, medically, what's happening to people? What do we think? Where does this eventually end? Well, I think it's well, medically. My God, personalized medicine air quotes is pretty easy because everybody's very much the same. Well, oh, right. you're genetically right. predisposed <laughs> to uh, high cholesterol, yeah. so I'm writing everyone a prescription. Um, and well, see, see, everyone, like, I mean everyone. That's right. right. Like Lip Lipitor just becomes an, you know, people would say, well, of course you need to get enough, you know, iron in your diet and Lipitor. <laughs> yeah. It's just a central tenant. Uh, I yeah. think, you know, medically they, they might be a little unstable um, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. sometimes you do need this reassortment. I mean, think about it, God forbid, you know, the one person who's now gifted with parthenogenesis and now is extremely clonal is, heavily predisposed to something that's really bad, like cancer or, mm -hmm. you know, stroke or something like that, because that does happen. Um, you do get people whose families are very highly genetically predisposed to things. And uh, if you yeah. are now the sole reproducing organism, that's on everybody. So there's, there is some fragility that comes with this potentially, but I will admit if you've got a perfect niche, 
you are the perfect invasive species, much like the crayfish. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm intrigued by the idea of how simple certain things would be. It's like, uh, oh, you need an arm? Yeah, we have the exact... Yeah, organ, organ donation would be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah or internal or organs, of course. Um, uh, is this like inbreeding? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, it's, is this the same so, as inbreeding? So we think of inbreeding exactly. as like, for instance, Yeah, yeah. No, it has, it has some of the central, the same similar like kind of tenets. So what makes inbreeding right. particularly bad is it brings out deleterious recessive traits. Recessive traits are ones that you need both copies or, or you know, multiple copies of it in order for that disease phenotype to come out. And if you have groups that are inbred, um, what happens is, is that these have a higher likelihood of um, getting you know, both or however many recessive genes that you need. And so you get these obscure... Um, you know, defects and the mutations aren't really flushed out of the system because there's no, you know, fresh genes coming in. Kind of similar to that, these parthenogenic groups would be accumulating deleterious mutations, but they would not be inheriting any more copies of a recessive gene because they're only ever getting what their yeah. mother had. So yes and no. Yeah, it's, it's a bit, yeah it'd be weird. Like you wouldn't have... For instance, royal line, royal bloodlines anymore because everybody would be the same. Mm -hmm. That's it for monarchy, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where they would probably end up using if if that impulse still existed, they would start using different things. You know, uh, I'm from that. So I'm from that block, so that was the best block. <laughs> the rest of you, <laughs> back off. Um, What's happened with the what happened with the crayfish? Is the world in, in danger now of these cray like that that's I sort of lost the thread there of that story. So just come back to Earth in in the current day. Are these crayfish running amok? And um should we do we need government regulation? Do we need government inspectors coming in and like we talk about, you know, the wet markets need to be shut down. Do we think that maybe people just shouldn't have aquariums anymore because they're, they're, they're breeding uh, danger zones? I don't think that's probably going to happen, but I know there's a ban on having this specific type of crayfish and keeping it um, or importing it places because they don't want it to get out. If uh, you know you accidentally drop your UPS package full of crayfish in a lake or something, uh, the truck goes off the wrong bridge and whoops, you've... <laughs> You've brought an invasive oh, yeah, species. Yeah. Well, those trucks are always driving around. Yeah, those trucks are UPS trucks are driving around the, the package delivery guys with the doors open. So I think that, you know, a bunch of them winding up in a lake is not impossible. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, there are definitely going to be listeners. Our, our audience is very sophisticated and also mischievous. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. And some people want to try this. What should they or should they not be doing? It, Wait, they want to try parthenogenesis? Well, they in other words, didn't this, this happen because two species were put together oh, and, okay. and then this mutation happened? Uh, is that something people do? Do we need to warn it? Do we need to say, don't try that at home? I don't, don't start think dropping so. different species creatures inside the same tank? I don't necessarily think so because part of what made it happen was a particularly weird accident. The, the one egg cell was left with both of its chromosomes. 
both sets of its chromosomes. Um, maybe you might not want to do that, keep it to the same species in your tank. I can't imagine with the benefit of having multiple different species of crayfishes, but closely related. I can't imagine they look too different um, if you're someone who's just cultivating the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. All right. um, <laughs> you're just a crayfish fan. Yeah. Yeah. Or who knows, God forbid, don't let it out. Um, don't decide, eh, I'm, I'm done with this tank and then dump it into your local river. Because that might be a... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I could imagine, I think this is going to start a, a business, maybe this is the entrepreneur in me, that uh, in New Orleans, um, somebody's going to, you know, figure out like, hey, we just got all these crayfish and they're identical. And that means we can really, you know, kind of create the McDonald's of Dumbo. And well, that's, I can actually, you know, I can imagine that, right? If you find a yeah. crayfish that is particularly tasty, um, yeah. that might be worth uh, engineering it to um, reproduce clones of itself. So you get uh, always the same gumbo. Yeah. And with the world will be, you know, and then we'll have a new uh, evil corporate uh, entity on the planet, Big Gumbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Big Gumbo. <laughs> um, it'll be Big Gumbo versus Bubba Shrimp. Bubba. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Big Bubba. Bubba. What was it? Uh, Bubba Gump. Yeah. So, Bubba Gump, Bubba Gump versus Big Gumbo. It's like Godzilla versus Kong. Another <laughs> well, fine the episode, on by the way. Back. Recent episode. Like, mm-hmm. with the, like, yes. It could happen. Big Gumbo. Coming <laughs> your way. Watch out. A new, old new comic book series has begun. Um, so, uh, Wrap it up for us. Um, I feel like Matt, you are superstar, uh, superstar, superhero of his, history of science, and Gabby, uh, superhero of biology. Um, what's what's the Im- impact or what the takeaway for uh, from this story? Uh, well, we have a total reset on our notions of both sex and gender. Um, uh, which are enormously influential on the way we shape our societies and live our lives, um, right? You know, from family structure on to governmental policy and um, governmental type. Um, so, it, I think that the changes would be so massive uh, that I, I don't know if I would even want to, to speculate um, about the uh, the long term historical impact. But I would say certainly within. A hundred years, I would expect social relations to be unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And Gabby, how about you? What's your takeaway? Uh, very much the same. Um, it's going to be a fascinatingly monotonous society, I guess. If you know, one woman wins out um, with the potential for great, uh, great expansion, and also extremely precipitous decline if they meet one. Uh, too strong selective pressure out there in the vast and infinite universe that they might be attempting to colonize. And um, as for the, I guess the crayfish that sparked this all, it just really seems like someone's got to get out there and have a good uh, crawdad boil and uh, reduce this uh, invasive species problem. (laughs) Fantastic. Beware the crayfish. The crayfish clone wars are coming to a, Aquarium near you to a lobster joint. <laughs> uh, Matt, anything you want to plug coming up? 
Um, no, nothing coming up. Nothing coming up. Oh, did you do the the uh, the one? Um... Uh, I did. I did that on Monday. Um, Can people believe, go see that? And I believe they recorded actually. So if you go to One Day uh, University website, um, you can uh, you can go listen to me talk about the history of the universe. Right, One Day University, and the um, the subject was uh, history of the universe and you. Whoa! Say again. <laughs> Sorry, I got blasted. I blasted the, myself out. History. The universe and you. Yes, the universe and you, uh, and that's you, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's it magically transforms. Yeah. yeah, it's like a hologram lecture. Um, Gabby, anything you want to plug? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. If you are a more technically minded listener, so let's say you can deal with biology techno babble, and you are curious, my first paper just came out in plus one. Um, so uh, I'm sure you could find it woo! by googling. Yeah. I'm sure you could find it by Googling plus one, P-L-O-S, and then the word one, um, and then my name. But in case you want the longer-winded thing, the title of it is RNA-Guided Gene Editing of the Murine Gamma Herpes Virus 68 Genome Reduces Infectious Virus Production. Rolls off the tongue. Nice. Fantastic. Now, is that is that a paywall situation? Or can I put the link on uh, the uh, page? It shouldn't be. It should be open access. But I'll yeah, but one is open, I think. Yeah. Right. yeah. And if not, I have the PDF. So, and so, and, and so, it just the hook of right. What's the hook of like? What's the tagline of that movie? Well, your paper. The, the tagline the is I, I used CRISPR Cas9 technology to fight a virus that you can't fight with uh, antivirals. Right, All right. Mm-hmm. just defeated the invincible virus. That's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> yeah, um, check that out. That's very good. Uh, Congratulations. That's very exciting. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody, if you haven't gotten your vaccine, I think as you would agree, Gabby, go ahead and get one. It's good for yep, you. Get the jab. Um, the, <laughs> there's some funny, and I know we can say this to this audience so you understand, there's some funny clips out there. There's a woman at a press conference, or a woman asking a question at a town hall or something saying that uh, she didn't want to get the vaccine because she had seen so many other people all over the internet after they got the vaccine, they had silverware sticking to them because they were magnetic. So, uh, which, by the way, would in- indicate that this was not actually good silverware. Is that right? If it was magnetic? Uh, that is probably right, yes. Right, right. So cheap. Look after those people because they both, they have cheap sense in silverware. And <laughs> we don't know. They're, they're magnetic and it's not because of the, the vaccine. Who knows what happens? So we'll do we'll do a story on that. We have a lot of fabulous guests coming up. Oh my gosh, and so many interesting people. So stay tuned. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, to what the if uh, you can go what yay what the if.com and you can subscribe there. Uh, we are on Twitter. And the music is just comes and goes. Um, <laughs> at what the if show on Twitter. You can email us feedback at what the if.com. By the way, the easiest way is just go to our website, whattheif.com, and you can uh, send us a letter. That seems to be the preferred method. People just uh, type there in the little question box, shoot it off. Uh, if we run with your idea, you become a super ifer. We have some super ifer ideas in the pipeline. So get in there while you can. Gabby, thank you, as always, and congratulations uh, on your paper. Matt, congratulations on your um, continued existence and lack of need to publish just a little bit a little bit (laughs) 
And uh, thank you all for listening. As we end, Matt, would you describe the ritual that befalls us? Uh, well, we uh, since we're all uh, uniform in genetics, uh, we will, in a synchronized way, uh, say the name of the show. But in order to make sure that uh, we're all doing it in a perfectly synchronized way, we'll do it quite slowly. That's right. That's right. And those of you who are listening everywhere out there in the world, wherever you are, some of you are in Johannesburg, some of you are in Norway, some of you are in Alabama, some of you are in Japan, wherever, and Australia, Sydney, and Adelaide, we have listeners. Wherever you are in the world, as you're listening, in time-shifted fashion, imagine doing it all together as we imagine the ifs coming at us like a clone army a zillion of them all the same and yet we don't know what they are what is happening we scream what, what? Love. Love.